Hello, this is Don McPherson, your host of 12 Geniuses. In season 11 of the podcast, we are exploring resilience, failure and forgiveness, leadership, belonging, and a variety of other topics that when done properly will help us perform our best. Today's guest is Hortense Lagenti. We discuss her new book, The Unlocked Leader, in which she provides solutions for overcoming mind traps and fears that limit success while enabling leaders to be more empathetic toward themselves and the people they lead. Hortense is an executive leadership coach who guides CEOs and senior executives on their journey from hero leaders to human leaders. This episode of 12 Geniuses is brought to you by The Star Conspiracy. The Star Conspiracy is the B2B marketing agency for innovative brands creating the future of workplace solutions. For more information, head over to thestarconspiracy.com. Hortense, welcome to 12 Geniuses. Thank you for having me, Don. Let's start with you. And can you tell our listeners who you are and what type of work you do? So I was born and raised in France, in Paris and in the north of France. I moved to New York four years ago. I am an executive leadership coach and I am also a mother. And I am an author also of two books. So the second one is coming soon. And I'm working with CEOs and senior executives on their journey from being a hero leaders to be human leaders. What's a hero leader? Hero leader is, you know, kind of leader who think that he has to have all the answers and who is leading from the top, you know, top down without in- including anybody and things like that. The book that you wrote is called The Unlocked Leader, and this episode will come out after it's released. But who's the intended audience for the book and what are they going to learn? So there are everyone, every leaders who wants to begin this journey. Because from being, you know, as we said, from being hero leaders to being human leaders, I think that a lot have been said about why it's important today. I think everyone understands that the world is changing, the world is uh, uh, tra- um, transitioning. So of course, leadership also needs to transition. So I think everyone is okay with that. But uh, less has been said on the how to do it. This book is for people who wants to, you know, begin this journey and to lead with humanity. An extensive amount of attention is paid to this idea of a mind trap. What's a mind trap? See, Don, mind traps is really when you feel locked. You don't know where to find the exit. And you're doing the same, the same thing again and again. And you, understand, you don't understand why it doesn't work anymore. Because maybe, and very often, it used to work but we evolve, the world evolves, and, and this is, I think this is a principle of human being, is we evolve. So sometimes we have to rethink and, and change our mindset. And this, and mind traps is that, it's that mental obstacle, or obstacles, you know, depending, um, that are between you today and you tomorrow. Can you give a couple of examples of common mind traps? A leader need, needs to have all the answers. So can you imagine how hard it is today? So you show up, if you have that, that, that mindset, and, and, and you don't want to challenge it. So you just arrive, and every day we wake up, 
you have something new to deal with. And nobody has the answer. Nobody. Nobody had the answer, answer about, you know, concerning the, the pandemic. And when it's not, you know, it's over, or it's, ne- it's not really over, but, okay, so you have an economic one, you have a war, or you have, a pro- you know, another problem, or a health problem, or whatever. So every day comes with a new challenge. So if your mindset is, I need to have all the answers, can you feel, can you imagine how you feel? You cannot. That's not possible, so let go. And it's not you. It's because you have to rethink, rethink your mindset. So you are trapped, trapped in a, in a role, in a definition of a role that is not good anymore. So maybe it worked for a time. Maybe yes, maybe no, by the way. But let's imagine it worked. Now it doesn't, it, it, it doesn't work anymore. That's for sure, because again, you know, you cannot have the st- still the same, keep the same mindset when you are, um, when you are uh, a leader today, or when you were a leader, I don't know, fifty years ago. That's not possible. We don't know. We don't know what we don't know. Yeah, I have to say that I was raised to believe that leaders had all of the answers, and. Now I realize the flaw in that, right? Because it's it's impossible, particularly in a really hyper-complex world, which is what we live in right now. And now I have two daughters, they're five and seven, and they ask me questions and I say, well, I don't know the answer to that, but we can find the answer. We can find the solution to that, to collaborate. And so I'm trying to help them with that sort of uh, mindset, but it's hard to give up. It's hard to give up this idea that, well, you have to be the expert. And I think that's what you're talking about here is it's a mind trap. So in order to unlock your potential as a leader, we have to overcome that mind trap. So changing this mindset is, well, you need courage. You need a lot of courage to do that because this is not easy. And the first things you have to do is to fear. The first obstacle is your fears. So you need courage, but, but it's going to be so the result is you're going to increase your impact and and you you're going to be much much better in fact and you are going to become really a leader and not anymore a manager one of the examples i wanted to point out from the book and we talked a little bit about about it before we got started is the nba basketball player kevin love who now, early in his career, I think fairly early in his career, had admitted some mental health challenges. And it was an extraordinarily courageous thing for him to do because he was literally in the middle of his career when he was the highest earning, had the highest earning potential of his entire career. And so that, I think, is is an incredible example of that courage, but also that vulnerability. And I think that vulnerability is so important. We'll talk about that as we're going on here. But, you know, how do how do people overcome these mind traps and, you know, gain the self-awareness and then the willingness to admit that I, I'm limited. I'm, I'm, I'm a fallible human being. I think that the first step, as we said, is to be aware of it. And, and, but really, it's very important. It sounds 
obvious, but this is important to be aware of it. The first step. The second step would be decide it's ready, you want to change and to challenge this mind trap. If you are not 100% sure you want to challenge, don't begin. You're going to fail. And the third one is, okay, let's go. And face the first obstacle of you, you know, and the first big thing, your first, yeah, the first obstacle, let's say, men- mental obstacle, with, and because we, all, same, we all have fears. This is part of human being. This is normal. So have this conversation with your fears, your fears of failing, because you used to do one way and, okay, I have to change, but what should I change, right? I'm going to fail. The fear of chaos. What's going to happen if I, you know, let go? Or if I open the door to emotions? And the third one is the fear of emotions. Oh, I have to face my emotions? I have to open the door to other emotions? This is, this is hard because as, you know, my clients say, hey, emotions don't believe, don't be, don't, don't belong, you know, to the corporate arena. What are you telling me? And uh, yes, it's hard because, you know, they said the first thing is I cannot fix people. You know, I'm not a psychologist, but this is not what we are talking, what we are talking about, but this is really fierce. So have this conversation with your fears. And behind those fears, you will find your first mind trap or your mind traps with us. Anyway, we, we have a lot. But usually my experience is we have a big one first. And so you, we have to overcome this, this big one who really is, is here to block your ability to lead with authenticity and, and to be yourself. I'm going to bring us back to the mind traps because I thought there was something really important that you wrote about, which is there's typically patterns of where these these mind traps are created. There's trauma and there's identity and role. And I, I would like you to talk about those a little bit as to you know these being the origins for a lot of our mind traps. One of my clients... He was a CEO, but he felt like uh, he was an imposter somewhere. Something was wrong. And so we would work together on the why and what happened. And he didn't have, you know, a, a position that he, he, he wanted to have, a CEO, an, a CEO position that he didn't have, to, didn't, didn't, sorry, that he missed. And we discovered that because we would talk and ask questions. Of course, I would ask questions. And we discovered that he had the big mind trap. So years before, four years before, I mean, you know, when he was, when, when he was, when he was a student. So, wait, you know, years, you know, before. One of his, it, you know, he had an exam and he passed the exam. But one of the of the jury guy, you know, let's say a teacher, told him, "Sir, we can see all your emotions on your face. You, I can promise you something. You will never be a CEO." And 
he completely forgot, you know, this story. Completely forgot. But, and so he, and, you know, he grew up with that. And he was, he was a CEO of a, of a large company, but he wanted, you know, be a CEO of a large company. So we would challenge this, this idea and say, oh, is it true, by the way? No, not really, because I am a CEO. Okay, so is it relevant? Not at all. Is it helpful? Not at all. So what do we decide? And he said, oh, let go. So, and, and this is a process. So it's, it's always easier when you give an example, but this is a process that you have to follow. Is it, you know, because you're going to track the source of your mind trap like that, in asking you a question, where is it coming from? Who told you that? You know, same, same with, you know, for example, men don't, don't show you, as a man, you don't show emotion. Where is it coming from? Who said that? The answer is going to be, everyone is saying that, of course, you know, but is it true? Is it relevant? Is it helpful? I'm not sure. Because, you know, that's why a lot of men is for, it's difficult for them, you know, because if, if you have emotion and you cannot talk about your emotion, my goodness, you are not human being. So, and so this is a process to find your mind traps. That example that you gave of the CEO or the person who wanted to be a CEO, years and years previously, somebody saying, no, you'll never, never be that. It's, it's so interesting because how many people along the way told him, oh my gosh, you're brilliant, you're amazing, but this is the one. It's so interesting how the human brain works and and grabs onto something. And I suppose it comes back to survival, right? And and that we hang on to the advice that is going to expose us or that is going to make us most vulnerable. But it's just, it's human nature. I can think of the biggest losses I've had in life or the failures that I've had in life. And, and I can remember them vividly and so many successes that I vaguely remember and they seem less important <laughs> later in life. But, you know, these these defeats stay stay with us. It's it's just remarkable. Let's say, Don, that I would not I would not say it's a defeat. I would say it's it's a voice. And it's somebody who said something. And you, at one point, you take it for granted because whatever is the reason, but because we are young, because whatever it is. And, you know, what is, what is important to understand is somewhere in our brain, it stays there. And maybe at the beginning, it's helped him because he worked like crazy, like crazy, too much. But, but he said, okay, I'm going to prove you that I'm going to be a CEO one day. So he worked a lot. So it was a driver for a while. And after I completely forgot, to tell you the truth, when, when I met him, he didn't, he didn't make the link. He completely forgot. But we, we do the same, all of us. So we forget because it's habit, it's the way we do, and, and the soul, we don't challenge the idea as a where it's coming from every day. So that's not a problem. But it become it became a problem when he applied, you know, for no, 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 it's just more than that. In fact, he was called to be the CEO of this very large company. 
And he didn't understand what's happened when he faced, you know, the last, you know, when he was in front of the board, because he, he was not anymore himself. He changed. He was not anymore himself. He reacted. So he, so he would come to me and say, Hortense, I don't know what happened. I say, okay, let's find. Let's, okay, let's, you know, let's figure out why, you know, where it's coming from, because this is a mind trap. And the mind trap with that is somewhere in his brain, he thought that he would not deserve to have this position. And working on, you know, the process we, we talk about, liberate him. Because he knew where it's coming from, it was coming from, and after he made peace with it, okay, he said that, why? I don't know. Doesn't matter. It doesn't belong to you. It belongs to the person who told you that. And this is how you become free. You free yourself. Do you think that that strategy works in overcoming any fears or because fear is, is such a paralyzing emotion in a lot of in a lot of cases and I just wonder if there are other ways in which or effective strategies for overcoming our fears like imposter syndrome I I I I think it's very rare that particularly young professionals don't have a sense of imposter syndrome I would say that have this conversation with your fears why are you afraid but a real conversation. Why are you afraid? What is your biggest fear? Where is it coming from? And I would not tell you that you're going to overcome your fears. I would prefer to tell you that make peace with them and learn how to live with them. Some of them, you know, if it's little fears like, I don't know, fears of swimming or water or whatever. Well, okay, okay, okay. You can, maybe you can overcome those one. But, you know, those fears are part of, again, of humanity, of human being. So it's part of us. Sometimes it's a driver, sometimes not. Sometimes it's stopped to be a driver, like, you know, just we said, what we said. But um, what is important is having this conversation, knowing that they are here, do it anyway, but in the road, really make peace with that. Make peace with it. You know, they become a friend. Oh, it's my fears. Okay. Early in my career, it was being exposed. I didn't belong. I wasn't good enough to do the work. You know, people had more belief in me than I had belief in myself. And then as you get little bit more experienced and you get a track record of success and you're like, well, this is a new situation. I've never spoken in front of 2000 people to, before. And now I'm speaking in front of 2000 people. Well, I spoke in front of 500 people before, so I'll be able to do 2000. So you have these, you lean on these successes, but it was early in the career that, that it was challenging and like, oh, I'll be exposed or I'm, I'm a fraud. And I think it's, it's, it's fairly common, but I love that idea that it can be used in the example you gave it can be used as a driver you know to to succeed it can be used as a motivator and and just be comfortable with it you know sitting in the corner over there and hi how you doing <laughs> i know you're still there yeah yeah it's 
you know, everything, in fact, when you think about it, is about, you know, the story. The stories that we are, so people are telling you, and the stories that you're telling yourself. And after, think about it, what kind of story do you want to write? Because you, you can write your own story. And you need, by the way, to write your own story. So far, we've talked about mind traps and then mind shift, how to overcome those mind traps. But the last part of your book is called Mind Build or Leading with Empathy. And I wanted to ask you, where do most leaders need to start effectively or uh, where do they need to start to become more empathetic and to switch to this phase of mind build? I think if I have one, you know, advice, I would say, listen, learn to listen. So talk, talk less, talk last, or try to don't talk. And this is a great exercise because you will learn, well, I learned, but you will learn, I think it's true for everyone. We understand much more when we don't talk and we observe people and we let, you know, the ground for others. So I like to recommend to do what I, what I name, what I call a non-meeting. So it's a meeting, okay? So you meet with your team or whatever, but there is no agenda. And the agenda is only we meet. So we talk about whatever it is, but we about your emotion, what was going on, and, and, and things like that. So, and as a leader, to lead with empathy, I think it's the first exercise that I would that I would recommend. And after in the book, you know, I explain after you have to have your routine or, and things like that. But it's I don't want maybe to enter right now, except if you want. But the first thing would be that as a leader, in order to kind of unlock that meeting and get value out of that meeting, does the leader have to share about himself or herself and and kind of present that this is a psychologically safe environment for, for these types of conversations? Like, how would you structure that meeting and, and where would the leader, you know, would the leader talk first in that case? Yeah. So, so walk us through that. We did a workshop with, you know, for a, for a company like that, for the CEO that I was working with. So we would, we would ask this question around, you know, the table. So, so tell us more about your passion, your fears, and what was, you know, your biggest failure and things like that. And I, I told, but they were an agenda. So in this case, they were an agenda. And you're, you're right. The CEO, the manager, the leader, whatever, has to, is a role model. So he has to open the bar. He has to open the dance. And if he didn't, if he, if he, sorry, if he doesn't, you know, share the personal things, people are not, he doesn't, he doesn't open the door to those emotions of vulnerability. So you're absolutely right. So the first thing is showing the way, open the door, open the door, open the way, you know, to your team in those 
non-meeting if you want. So you can have plenty of non-meeting. But so in that case, you you talk first, but after you just listen. You open the door. In another case, you could do I don't know. You you come somewhere, you have a meeting with an agenda, but you know nothing to do with that. But you organize differently the agenda, and you say, okay, let's talk about people first and business last. No, people, people, business and finance. Bibergeli is recommended that. So I follow his lead, but that's true. And and the thing is. When you are in a meeting or you're talking about, you know, what's going on or the next step or whatever, learning to listen there is very important also. Resist to give the answer. Maybe you know the answer, but resist. Empower your team. And in order to do that, you have to listen and talk last. And also, you will learn more about every member of your team because you can look at them, you can feel, you can see what's happened. And I'm sure you know, but I think that what is important, I think the most important thing is not what people are saying, but it's what they don't say. And if you have this ability to feel it, so this is empathy, what empathy is about, to feel what's going on, or at least to feel something is wrong, or to feel, oh, it doesn't look right. You learn a lot. But if you don't take this time, you know, to listen, to observe, and to talk, to talk class, you will never know. So I'm going to ask you a question that is a little bit off script here, but I think it's a really important one. And that is, what advice do you have for a leader who may be leading a dysfunctional team and may have led that team for a while, but it's not working the way that it that it should? You know, it's it's suboptimal. How do you reset that as the leader? I was, I think that I would first recommend to reset the leader first. So what, what that means is take the time to reflect as a leader. Okay, stop for a while. We stop running. We take time. We reflect. What's going on? What do I feel? How I want to show up? How I want to, re- to be remembered? What drives me? What are my values? Am I completely aligned with that? Every, you know, it's always the same story. Everything begins with you. So it's, if, if it doesn't work, go back to yourself. And again, be very honest with yourself and try to feel what's going, what's going on. Where, you know, where, where are you locked? Because you're locked somewhere. Maybe you're locked in the way you communicate or maybe you're locked in the way or... There are, you know, so many shape of possibilities that, you know, I cannot name every, everyone here. But really, I would recommend to the leader to come back to that. Go back to the essential. Go back to your why. Why? Why? Because you need a vision. This is what we are waiting from you. So what is your vision? Do you believe in your vision? 
Is it, you know, is it uh, aligned with your, with your why? And when you're clear with that, okay, go back with your team and your organization. And again, let the stage to your team. Let them talk, express themselves, ask the question, what's going on? What is wrong? What is wrong? How can we do better? Help me to help you, to help us, to help the company. Because me, as a leader, I don't have all the answers. So I try, but something doesn't work. If it doesn't work, you have to change. And do you disclose that I went through this self-reflection process and this is what I learned? These are the mistakes that I've made? Yes. You know, yeah, okay. That's great. I think that's, I, I think there are probably a lot of leaders in that state right now where the team is not performing as it should they're not going anywhere. The team's not going anywhere. They need to reset. They need to reset. And you're right. It's really the problem today. And and what we don't want is having this separation because a leader cannot do without, you know, his team. And at the end of the way, it's all a question of human being, right? Communicate as a human being. And we, an organization is a sum of human beings. What we are doing is for other human being. So if it, yes, if it doesn't work, especially today, again, with everything that, you know, the world, this, this world is completely crazy. Can we say crazy? We um, can, yeah. And uh, you're right. A bit crazy. Yeah, not a bit. I think crazy. And of course, people... Everyone is afraid, in fact. And you have this young generation, of course, who is looking at that and say, oh, gosh, you know, we don't want that. And the oldest one will say, oh, gosh, but how can we do that? And in the middle, you have, you know, everything happens. So, oof, you know, it's a chaos somewhere. So this is very important. And, of course, we are, and as leaders, uh, they are very busy, very, very busy. So you don't think, this is not the first thing that comes in your mind. Oh, I'm going to reflect. No, no, no. The first thing is, I'm going to do. So I would recommend, instead of doing, you will win time to stop. It's time to stop. doesn't work, it's time to stop. If you want to go far and faster, take your time to reflect. There's a, there's a remarkable statistic in the book Early on, you referenced Deloitte, and they say that 61% of employees feel they have to hide part of who they are at work. That was a study done in 2014. We may have closed the gap a little bit in the last nine years. We have not closed the gap completely. And so as a leader, we have people who are showing up to work and they're not being who they are. How do we how do we encourage them to be who they are? And there are different communities where the number is higher. But even you say in the book that straight white men, 45% of them are not showing up completely as who they are. They're hiding part of who they are. So how do we how do we encourage people to bring them, their whole selves to work? Because obviously we're not going to perform at a high level if we're hiding things from people we need we rely on day to day. So I think, as we said, it's the first thing is create this environment. And as a leader, this is really your responsibility. This is your responsibility. Of course, you cannot, especially when you have a 
very large um, organization. You can take care and listen to everyone. No, 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 that's not possible. I, of course. But it's your responsibility first to role model, as we say. Okay. To communicate correctly and to give the tools that your team needs to do the same with their team. You have to go in cascade. So how you do that? Okay, you have your team, but your team, your team has to do with their team and their team with their team and their team. And this is how we do that. So from, from the top to the frontliner, this is, this is what is important. This is what we, we should do. So as a leader, you need to, to, you know, put in place what your company needs, what your people need. So I don't know, training, coaching, support, any, any kind of support. We need support. Because we need to learn how to do that and, and all together. I'd love you to walk us through an example of someone you worked with, and you don't have to name names, but someone you worked with who overcame a mind trap and then developed into an empathetic leader. And then I would love you to finish with how their personal and their professional lives improved. So what's the outcome that they were able to realize? So I would love to take, you know, to continue the story of, of the, you know, the the person uh, I was talking about before, because, so yeah, so we were there. This was the 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 individual who who was told you'll never be a CEO. Yes, exactly. So, but he, he was not aware of that. So he was there. He was he was at the top of CEO of a large organization, doing well, and he was, you know, called to another position, CEO, but a largest one, very big, large, yes, really largest, largest company. He was surprised at the beginning, he said, oh, bizarre, you know, why, why me? And as I said, you know, the last, you know, the last interview with the board, you know, he was not himself. He was absolutely not himself. So he realized that. So he didn't have the job because of that. But everyone was surprised, everyone. And so I'm not going to repeat so what we what we would do, what we did, and what we discovered. But from there, everything changed. So if I continue the story here, so you discovered, you know, that the, this voice from the teacher, and when he decided to let go, it it was like he free, you know, he was free. He would it would be free. So he was free. And he said, okay, so now I feel much better. I can breathe better. I know where it's coming from. It's not true. Okay, let's go. And everything changed. And by that time, you know, the pandemic also came, became, became. He was very, very, he was that kind of person who can be very empathetic. So he was very like that. So he had, you know, this balance. He could have this balance between the right and the left brain, as we say. So because he felt free and liberate, he went, you know, he did what he thought he had to do with his team during this COVID and he was there for them, it was crazy. So he was very successful. And during COVID, he helped, you know, his company and the, and the people inside the company, it was amazing. And at the end of the COVID, fine, we cannot say end because it's not ended, but I mean, to one year later, I think, he was proposed another CEO position in a largest company. He took it. He had it. And when he left, everyone was crying. 
and saying, thank you. Thank you for what you did. And because it just free himself, it increases impact and he did what he think he had to do, not what he think you or I wanted him to do. So he could develop his talent and his own talent was, you know, that. And he, and he became, you know, this admirable human, human leader, like we say. And personally, of course, we are one, right? So we, he didn't get, he didn't let at home, you know, his one personality and came back, you know, and came back to work with another one. He realigned his life also too. He unlocked his life, his personal life. He was completely locked. So I, I'm not going to share more, but he, he was he was completely locked with with his with his personal life, and same he changed. And but physically, even physically, we could we could see, you know, you know, the smile, the joy, the the impact. He changed. Before I let you go, I want to ask you about the fable that you weave throughout this the the book. At the beginning of each chapter, you tell the story about a boy and and his journey. What's the significance of that? Or why did you choose to write that? Thank you for asking this question. It's very important for me. So the story is a story of the path of roses. This is the name of, of the So I made a, a little book about it. And why I wrote, you know, this story is because during my life, when I had, I was, I was in a very difficult time. I had difficult time, like everyone, and I had a dream, and my grandmother that passed away, you know, for a long time, came back in my dream and talked to me. And she said, go find the paths of roses. And I asked her, what is it? And she said, she smiled and she said, you know, you know it, you know the road. And she disappeared. I woke up. I was furious. <laughs> so at that time, I understood, I thought that I understood that I had to find, you know, the, the road of um, happiness, you know. And during my life, I understood that it is more than that. This is happiness, but this is also your spirituality, who you are, your own talent. So everything began with that. And it was important for me to share that. And why, you know, this fable is because I wanted you, when you write, you read the book, to open the right side of your, of your brain. So I created this fable to, to have a companion with you during your journey. And because this is a fable, so when you, you read it, it's, it's not rational. So you completely, you are on, on, in your right, right side. And all we are talking about today is about vulnerability, empathy, creativity, innovation, communicate with other emotions, and everything is the right the right part of the brain. And so that's why I wrote, you know, this fable. Well, I'm glad you wrote it because one of the things that I wanted to do is find out what happened. So I kept reading and reading. And so I would even I would finish one chapter and I would put the book down, but I would read the next page in the beginning of the chapter just so I could have a sense of, of where he's going in the story. Uh, so well done. I, I really enjoyed that part of it. 
Hortense, where can people learn more about you? Oh, you can find me on social. So you have LinkedIn, Instagram, a lot. And I have a brand new website. So you can find me on my name, hortenselegentil.com. Or if it's easiest to remember, h.org. So the same, you go to the same place. Fantastic. I really appreciate your time. Thank you for being here. And thank you for being a genius. Thank you for listening to 12 Geniuses and thanks to the Star Conspiracy for sponsoring this week's show. We will return next week when I interview growth mindset expert Eduardo Briseño. We will discuss his new book, The Performance Paradox, and he will discuss how to create a culture of growth where experimentation and feedback are encouraged and learning is integrated into everyday performance. Thank you to Richard Jocelyn for producing this show. To subscribe to 12 Geniuses, please go to 12geniuses.com. Thanks for listening. And thank you for being a genius.